chapter 6, 19 to 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great that darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Father, thanks so much for uh, those promises that you've given to us, originally through Abraham and fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And now as we consider your word, Father God, we pray that you would um, open our eyes, open our ears, soften our hearts, that uh, we would hear what you have to say to us and that indeed our lives would be changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I'm going to need some, a clicker. So um, if someone has got the little gizmo, uh, if you could hand that to me, that would be fantastic. That'll make the technology work a little bit better. Good on you, Andrew. Fantastic. I was reminded last Tuesday of uh, just how good a life we can live here in Port Macquarie. Tuesday's uh, our day off from ministry and Cassie and I started our day uh, with brunch on the beach. It was beautiful. Um, bacon and eggs on thickly sliced toast with a cappuccino overlooking the, uh, the rolling waves of the Pacific Ocean. It was like being on holidays. It was great. And we went home. It only took us five minutes to get home and found myself a nice shady spot under a tree with a good book that I'm reading at the moment and read my book for a while and then when I got sick of that, got up and did a bit of gardening and want to build up a sweat, went for a few laps in the backyard pool and then went back to reading the book and repeated the cycle uh, over and over until dinner time and it was uh, good food out on the back deck and the only threat to our comfort and security was the overly zealous uh, kookaburra who wanted to join us for dinner. Life's good in Port Macquarie, isn't it? It's great. We live a good life. And you know what? Uh, just as Port Macquarie is a great part of Australia to live, so Australia is a pretty nice part of the world in which to live. Have you noticed that? Now, forgive me if you've heard this, uh, used this illustration before, but I think this is something worth knowing uh, about how good we live here in Australia. Uh, every year, the United Nations uh, does what they call the Human Development Index, where they uh, collate information, data, uh, data rather, about all the countries in the world, except those that are so bad that they can't get the data from, and they rank the nations in accordance with the quality of life for
for normal people. So it's not just talking about the wealth of the nation, not just the GDP, but how that wealth is used, how it's distributed, so that uh, the things which come from, that flow from wealth, uh, that are, affect people's lives, like how long do people normally live? Um, how healthy are people? What's the education system like? Uh, wh what are the material well-being, what's the material well-being of people like? And so I want to show you the latest list that I found. Uh, this is the list from 2016. I'm not sure that the information from 2017 is in as yet. And I want you to see this. Uh, there's 187 nations and we're starting from the bottom. So there's the Central African Republic at number 188. Goes all the way up to Afghanistan in 169. Imagine being worse than Afghanistan. That's hard, isn't it? Then you start again at Uganda, number 163. You go all the way up to, I think, Kiribati at 137. Then you start again down there at uh, Equatorial Guinea, all the nations up to Paraguay. Then you start down the bottom at Gabon and all the nations up to Algeria. You start down at Macedonia and all the nations of the world up to Barbados. And you start at Oman, all the nations up to Austria. Then to Finland at number 23 and all the way up to the top. And Australia is number two. Norway's number one because the people who did the evaluation don't appreciate sunshine <laughs> and warmth. But I want you to see that because that, you know, you can hear, oh, we're number two in the world, but you need to see the, the whole list. You need to see all of those nations that uh, are below Australia in order to gain a right perspective on where we live and how we live. The difference between number two and number one, that's just splitting hairs really. Uh, we see from this long list we can wrap our minds around the fact that the vast majority of humanity did not live nearly as well as Australians. And the vast majority of Australians do not live nearly as well as Port Macquarians. I agree. Some might dispute that. Now, we live in a fallen world, which means that no matter all of those factors, we all have problems. But in worldly terms, you and I clearly live uh, better and more comfortably than most people uh, in the, our world today, by far. And in fact, we live uh, better than uh, just about any other group of people in all of human history because of the way that society has developed. An overseas visitor uh, commenting about Port Macquarie said to me, Scott, you live in paradise. And it's hard to argue with that, isn't it? We can thank God for it. But do you see the problem? The problem is in that statement, you live in paradise. Someone, a Christian friend who'd recently moved into the area, jokingly said to me, and I quote, he said, when you live around here, 
it's much harder to look forward to heaven. Now, what Jesus says in today's passage is relevant for, for all people, no matter who they are, no matter where they live, no matter when they live, but today God is speaking to you and me. And Jesus, if you care to have that passage open up in your Bibles in Matthew 6, he speaks to us about the truly best lifestyle. In fact, that's what the Sermon on the Mount has all been all about, isn't it? It's about what God considers to be the good life. And here, Jesus has a warning for us. Because surrounded as we are by the beauty of creation, uh, and with the opportunity that we have to live in houses that 99 point whatever percent of the population of the world could only ever dream of, we can be seduced. We can be seduced into thinking and living as if, hey, this is what it's all about. This is the truly good life. So, in Matthew 6, 19 to 24, Jesus speaks to us about having a better treasure, a better vision, and a better master. So let's firstly look at what uh, he says about a better treasure. I'm reading from verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now, um, can I say that the uh, more literal translation of that uh, is do not treasure for yourselves treasures on earth. So the Greek word there it's used is the same word we use for thesaurus, actually. That's what the word is. It's a store. It's a treasuring up. And here it certainly does include um, storing up stuff. But it's not, it's not talking about the person who hoards things. Uh, it's not, not that kind of storing up. It's, it's about when we're wrapped up in seeking, acquiring and protecting and holding fast to material possessions. You know, I think it's true that uh, if you can't give something up, then that thing is your treasure. Would that be right? That thing is your idol. So why should we not treasure up treasures on earth? That's pretty simple, really. Jesus says it's a really rotten investment. <laughs> it's a bad investment. Because in verse 19, these things, they just don't last. Uh, the, the moths and the, the rust, they destroy and uh, they eat things up. Uh, you know, you, we may mothball our clothes or we might... Um, uh, rust-proof our cars, but ultimately, where, where do our clothes end up? They kind of go out of fashion pretty quick, don't they? And they end up in the used clothing bin. And then I come along to the op shop and buy them and wear them and that sort of thing, you know. Um, <clears throat> and our cars, uh, they all end up at the wreckers. I uh, sold a car just recently for 50 bucks. How about that? Served me well for about 27 years. <laughs> Yet even before that, the satisfaction that our possessions promise, that, that actually quickly fades as well. Have you noticed that? You're looking forward to getting something new, 
you're really keen about it, you get the new thing, you're really excited about it, it's really satisfying and then after a few months, a few weeks, even a few days, the satisfaction level has dropped. And, and we see this, um, I think, most clearly <coughs> with, and quite dramatically with when, whenever there's a new iPhone that's, uh, uh, that, that's released, where people actually queue up, uh, they camp outside the, the Apple shop overnight uh, in order to be the first to, to get the new iPhone in their hands because the iPhone that they spent $1,500 on or more 12 months ago just doesn't satisfy any longer. They need something else and they need another shot of satisfaction because the satisfaction has not lasted. But guess what? We don't last either. As the writer to Ecclesi of, of Ecclesiastes put it, naked a man comes from his mother's womb and naked he departs. There's two points in that, isn't there? You actually, one day uh, you're going to exit <laughs> and you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. Uh, remember the uh, American rich man uh, Rockefeller, when he died, the reporter asked his lawyer, how much did Mr Rockefeller leave behind? And the answer was, all of it. You don't take it with you. <laughs> all of it. Now, we think that we need the biggest, uh, the latest, the most sophisticated things. And so we spend our lives working hard to earn the money, to develop the lifestyle which the advertising industry tells us we need and deserve. We invest in treasures which not only do the vast majority of people in our world live without, but which ultimately don't last and they have no eternal significance. However, there are treasures which Jesus says that we should invest in. In verse 20, he says, But treasure up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but I wonder, what are these treasures in heaven? Uh, what's he talking about there? Well, I think I've got a few thoughts on this, but uh, firstly, can I get you to go over to 1 Timothy chapter 6 in your Bibles? If, you're, if you've got the Pew Bible, it's just got Holy Bible on it. That's on page 841. If you've got the other Bibles with more fancy stuff on it, that's on page 1194. Let me read to you from 1 Timothy chapter 6. Uh, starting at verse 17, because it clarifies what are these treasures. Uh, this is Paul speaking to those who are rich in the church, rich Christians. And he says, and I quote, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything good for our enjoyment. So, material things are good. They're there for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is, what does it say? Truly life. If you want real life, life as God intended, life which will ultimately satisfy, then that's about actually storing up these treasures in heaven. Now, the United Nations 
I said that we have the second best living standard in the world. But the life that is truly life means investing in those things which, which actually matter to God. Being rich in good deeds, being generous, being willing to share, that we may invest in treasures that are eternal. I love the comedy movie Richie Rich. It's a bit of a kid's movie, I think, but hey, <clears throat> I'm a bit of a kid at heart. Everyone seen that movie, Richie Rich? It's a bit old now, but uh, let me, Richie's dad is, a, is the richest man in the world. He's a multi-billionaire. And <clears throat> there are some ba- the, the, the plot is that there are some baddies that uh, infiltrate the family. They get into the household. They build relationships with the family, especially the kids. And in doing that, they learn that uh, with all of the wealth of the richest man in the world, that in fact the family's most highly treasured possessions are very safely and securely locked away in a vault inside a mountain. Right? And so the, the story is about, uh, about their antics and their plotting and their scheming and all their, their efforts to find out the location, to get into the mountain to break open the vault and to steal, steal all of the gold bullion and all of the precious, fabulous jewels that they are expecting. It's inside this mountain. The mountain's actually got uh, sculptures of three family patriarchs sculpted into the mountain and it's not called Mount Rushmore, it's called Mount Richmore. How about that? <laughs> but they finally break in They finally get to the vault. They crack open the vault and what do they find? A collection of memorabilia. Old family photos. um, Films of the kids when they were were babies. Old baseball gloves and baseball caps and all the stuff that was about family. Much to their disappointment. Because it showed that what the point was that what the family truly valued was each other and the things which reminded them of each other, their most treasured possessions. All of the other stuff was just in banks, (laughs) like it should be. Well, what does God treasure most? How about people? People who are forgiven. People who are living for the very purpose for which he created them. People living in right relationship with him forever. Indeed, God so loved the world that he gave his son, that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. So, therefore, should not the things which God treasures be the things which we treasure? Listen to how the Apostle Paul described his attitude towards what he truly treasured when he uh, wrote to the Christians in the Greek city of Thessalonica. Um, come with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, in the plain pew Bibles, it's on page 836. In the others, it's on page 1187. Listen to what Paul, how he describes his relationship with the Thessalonians 
and his true, true treasure. Verse 17, he says, But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did, again and again, but Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes? What is it that we truly treasure about all, above all? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. How about that? What Paul treasured the most was that people should trust in Jesus, that people should be saved from hell, that people should be living for God forever. These people were his treasure. And like Paul, each one of us here is a co-worker uh, in this great work of growing God's kingdom. We all have different gifts, different abilities, different opportunities. But we're all actually engaged in this work of growing God's kingdom. Uh, and, you know, we've heard early on today of uh, a relationship that developed 18 years ago be between a young non-Christian lady and a Christian lady, Elva, and how Elva was able to befriend Catherine, uh, show her some of God's love, uh, teach her about Jesus, and we've seen the fruits of that. That's an example of what it is that we are involved in, laying up treasures in heaven. Catherine's a good treasure, isn't she? Laid up in heaven. And it was through one of us just speaking to her about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as you might expect, investing in helping people to get to know God uh, does involve trade-offs. Uh, it it, sometimes it involves a cost because it, it may mean setting aside other options so that we can invest our time, our efforts, uh, even our money into growing God's kingdom. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with owning material possessions. Um, where do our material possessions come from? Who gave them to us? God. They're a gift from God. Uh, and we still have to live in this world, don't we? Uh, we need a roof over our head, food on our, in our tummies, clothes on our back. And it is right for us to provide for the future. We'll talk more about that next week. Uh, God, is, Jesus is not against providence, that is providing for the future. Uh, what he's against is covetousness, which means... Uh, the view that um, a man's life consists in the abundance of his, of his goods and chattels. Uh, brothers and sisters, that is not the abundance of our lives. We need to invest our lives in those things which, which will survive the day of judgment uh, and pass into heaven. And that, of course... Uh, involves evangelism, sharing the gospel with others. It also involves issues of character. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul talks about a whole lot of things that are going to end when Jesus returns, but he says that faith, love and hope, these are the things which endure uh, through into all of eternity. They remain with us.
However, we will only have a better treasure if we have a better light. So let's get back to the passage. Verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now let me sort of unpack that a little bit for you. In the ancient world, they thought of the eye as being like a window into the body. Uh, through which light entered into the body. And so that if your, if your eyes were good, if they were clear, then your whole body would be full of light and would be healthy. Um, but if your eyes were bad, uh, the body would be plunged into the kind of darkness that breeds disease. This is, what, this is how they thought about things. Uh, Jesus is not confirming this is to, to be true, uh, here he uses that common thinking to make his point. And he refers to the good eye, doesn't he? Uh, the word uh, for good really refers to uh, singleness of purpose, undivided loyalty, like tunnel vision. So that the good eye is the eye that is fixed on God. And therefore, the person's life is filled with the light that comes from God, which means that we end up seeing life the way that God does from that eternal perspective. Whereas the bad eye, and get this, that the literal translation of that is the evil eye. That's a term that's come into our English language, isn't it? The, the evil eye uh, is, well, that's like wearing sunglasses in the night. Now, you know what that's like, don't you? Uh, you can't see clearly because everything's so dull, so dark. That is, we only see this earthly life. We don't see the eternal reality. In fact, Jesus goes further. He says that if our eyes are fixed on riches and earthly treasure, then our whole life is going to be dark and it's going to be earthly. We're not going to be living for the very purpose for which we've been created. And it's short-term satisfaction at best. But it's because of that darkness that we, we invest so much in things which don't matter. We need a better light. And finally, in verse 24, we need a better master. Read that for you. No one can serve two masters, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, here Jesus is using some common idiom of his day, uh, where he contrasts love and hate. Uh, there's a, another passage where he says that uh, unless a man hates his mother and father that he can't come after me jesus is not into advocating hate uh, that was a common expression for uh, talking about comparing things in terms of what is the most important thing and to uh, uh, to follow after jesus is more important than to follow after our parents no one can serve two masters 
Have you ever had two jobs at one time? Some of you have, haven't you? Some probably had three jobs at one time. Uh, if they're part-time jobs, you can do it. If you've got a full-time job plus a part-time job, mm, that's also doable, but it takes its toll. But here Jesus is not talking about employees with two jobs. He's talking about a slave with two masters. And it can't happen because a slave is not employed by his master, is he? A slave is owned by the master. And Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. You cannot be owned by both God and money. You might think you can. But Jesus is not saying here you can do it but it's hard. He's saying no, it's impossible. Uh, and that's the very nature of the master-slave relationship. It's like trying to walk in two different directions at the same time. What's going to happen to you? You're going to tear apart. You can't do it. It's one or it's the other. But we still try to do it, don't we? We try to serve both God and money. Uh, we, want to, we want to serve God as our master, but we also crave after the same comforts, the same luxuries, the same supposed securities as the pagan world around us. Why are we like that? I think it's because we don't always view life, indeed we don't even view our own lives, in the light of the gospel and eternity. That better light by which we can see our better treasures so that we are not ruled by the better master. Maybe we don't even want to be viewed, we don't even want to view life that way. And that's why the words of Jesus are so vital. Now, in a worldly sense, uh, you and I are in a very privileged position. Uh, in general, we enjoy a better life than the vast majority of people on the planet. But with privilege comes responsibility. Uh, this is not comfortable teaching. But God has not left us here for our comfort, has he? Why has God left us here? to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. God wants you and I to invest in heaven through our prayers, through our time, through our relationships and through our resources. On Friday, I met with a school scripture teacher uh, he doesn't, um, he's not part of our church. He's one of the team of 25 or so teachers that we have teaching in the primary schools in Port Macquarie. And he's part of a team of 11 volunteers who teach the Bible to about 700 children in their school. That's a lot of children, isn't it? Um, they don't do it perfectly. They need more resources. They need more teachers. But the 700 children, the, the vast majority of whom come from non-Christian families, the vast majority of whom would otherwise uh, 
not, not just not only not follow Jesus, but they wouldn't even know of Jesus. They may not have even heard of Jesus. And so we talked and we prayed. And as we prayed together, um, thanking God for the great opportunity and praying for the salvation of those 700 children, I started to notice something. This man, grown man, mature man, what I noticed was that he was crying. He was weeping. That the tears were rolling down his cheek because what we were praying for was actually his treasure. The thing that he saw as important in life. The thing of eternal significance. The thing which he was investing his life in. For where your treasure is, says Jesus, there your heart will be also. Uh, we need a better treasure, a better vision and a better master that we too might be people who are treasuring up for ourselves treasures in heaven, treasures which will last for all of eternity. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that uh, you treasure redeemed people so much that you're prepared to pay the cost of your only son. Now, Lord God, we pray for ourselves in this uh, world of comfort in which you've placed us, that uh, we would not be deluded, that we would not be um, tempted, that we would not fall to the temptation to think that this is all that there is. Rather, help us to be people who seek after your heart, Help us to be people who seek after your treasures and invest our lives in accordance to that. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.